family where there's so many voices out there that are looking at the same thing, but yet there's, they're coming up with different opinions, they're coming up with different voices in that. It's a season of being unprecedented, a big word that keeps being used over and over again. It's something that in this season, I don't think is that helpful for us as a community. Let me explain why. When you use that word unprecedented, what's happened is we have a sense of the unknown. We've never been here before. And so what happens is it creates confusion and we're trying to find some sense of clarity in the middle of this confusing season. So what happens is we, we struggle and we try and find that sense of security and that sense of clarity. And when we find it, we're like little sheep. That's why we're called sheep in, in the Bible. I think God had a sense of humor because he knows we have that Gregarian instinct within us that means, um, and I used to know this because we were farmers, when you're going down the field, there'd be an old yo, and it would go through the hedge and then suddenly there's a whole lot of them that go after it. And it's exactly the same. When we see something, we go after it. There's a sense of following. And I'm not sure that's helpful for us in this season as church family to think of this word unprecedented. Because we are family. We are meant to function as family. We are meant to um, journey seasons like this as family in tight community. And that has been a challenge for us at times. But what ends up happening is we're more interested in what's happening in Carlisle or in California than we are right here in Korean. And that's part of the kingdom that we have been invited by God to see steward, to see as a missional opportunity to see his kingdom come and his will be done here as it is in heaven. Not that we can't learn things from other places, but when we become so caught up in those, we lose focus on what we're called to as family. And so if we are family, then you know that as the church, there's generation after generation of our family who've come before us. And we get to read about that in this, in God's word, the family that has gone for generation for generation and so for me, this, this unprecedented season that they say there may be a, a new type of virus that's there. Maybe there is some sort of level of disruption that our generation have never faced before. But I'm beginning to learn a little bit, and I'm not an expert in this. I'm just trying to understand it a little bit more. But in Lamentations, when it says that there's nothing new under the sun, I think there's something we should stick up or stand up and take notice of. God's trying to say, stop listening to all the voices out there. Come close to me as a community as I invite you to journey with me and see what I might be saying to you as a family. So we've been journeying that in the last few weeks and we're at this point around um, mission. But I want us to look a little bit with fresh eyes this morning, fresh perspective. Try if you can to block out all those other voices that are speaking from other areas and may we listen to the Father this morning, not my words, but I pray that it's his. And so I want us to look back to the beginning of the year. Think back to January 2020, where we're all, uh, churches everywhere seem to be having this 2020 vision. We've heard from God, this is what it's going to look like for the next decade. Um, and for us, here we had that sense, it felt like a threshold moment. If you're here and you're visiting this morning, what's been happening is there's been this journey of um, a missional impulse in the last two to three, four years where we've been on this journey listening to God. Where is it you want us to go? What do you want us to do? And we had this sense of growing clarity about Mount Sandal here, heights, 
in Corrine, Port Stewart and Sligo, and any other areas that God might want to bring into our hearts. But there was a sense it was a threshold moment. It was a moment of opportunity as we would begin something. It's like, you know, when you get, when you get married and men, if you're like me and you're a little bit traditional around that stuff, you want to carry your wife over the threshold. It's the beginning of something new. It's an exciting time. And so there was that there. And then, boom, COVID, lockdown. Two things. There was a threat to our lives. So this virus was causing a threat to our lives. And secondly, we couldn't meet as normal. And so what happened was this level of confusion began to grow and grow. And hearing words like unprecedented, unprecedented didn't help us. And we're still not back to some sense of normality. It's, we're thanking God that we're still able to gather here like this on a Sunday morning, but something just doesn't feel like we're back to that. So what I want to understand is instead of this sense of just seeing it out and just going with it until we feel like we're back there again, what is it that God might be calling us into to look with fresh eyes in this season, with a fresh perspective? Because we could re-enter into lockdown at any time, that 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 full lockdown at any time. So does that mean that everything just pauses again or is he inviting us into something? So I want you to, if you can open up your, word, your Bible, God's word at Acts chapter 8. I want you to open up at Acts chapter 8 to give you a little bit of the context of this and notice some of the familiarities here. What's happened is God's people, Jesus, he died on the cross, he rose again. He said, if I'm going to promise you my promised helper, the Holy Spirit, and you're going to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And what happens is at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, and there's this great missional impulse, this exponential growth of the church in Jerusalem in the next few chapters until we get to Acts chapter 6 and 7, where um, Stephen, one of the early leaders of the church, is stoned to death because there's this opposition that's beginning to come. And so we pick up the story here. He's just been this leader of the church stoned to death. Acts chapter 1, and it says... The church persecuted and scattered is the title. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Notice. What's happening here? Now, I'm not saying we're being persecuted at the moment. Get that out of your heads. We're not. Not in this country anyway, okay? But first thing, there was a threat to their life. Second thing, they couldn't meet as normal. Things felt disrupted. Sounds a little bit familiar to where we are right now. See where we're going? We're beginning to get a little bit of clarity. And what I want to focus on this morning is just that verse 4 where it says this. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And there's so much in there that I want to try and unpack in the next 20 minutes or so, um, which is hard for me because I waffle a lot. Anyway, let's go for this. Verse 4, those who have been scattered, preach the word wherever they want. Where is the fresh perspective that we can see from this? See, it's easy when we look at that and we think, yeah, well, they're under threat. And, of course, they couldn't meet as normal. So the logical thing would be just to go and to preach the word. Of course, there is a sense of movement. But sometimes we read scripture like we're the heroes and we've got it all together. When sometimes when you put yourself in their shoes, 
It helps just to understand the context. And I think, I don't know if I would have been one of those heroes who just got it right away. I think I probably would have fallen into somewhere between the two options that I think would be most common. And we maybe see this a little bit this time. First of all, there's the people who would want to shy away in fear. Maybe we didn't hear from Jesus. Maybe this wasn't the right thing. Maybe this guy that died on the cross and rose again, did he really die on the cross? Did he really rise again? Maybe we've just misunderstood all this. We'll shy away for now. And when things feel a little bit okay again, we'll, we'll come out. We'll come back to the surface. The second option would have been, there would have been those who were like, we've got to stand firm in this moment. We can't let these unbelievers battle us into some sort of submission. Things have to stay the way they are. This is us showing our faith. And maybe there are reasons behind that that would be understandable. But I just want to help us to look at a little bit of a fresh perspective on this. Maybe this is a moment of opportunity rather than obstruction. Because what would have happened if either of those options, they would have stayed in Jerusalem, either shied away or just staying stuck in the one place. But zoom out to the big picture, go back to the beginning of Acts. Jesus says, go be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. They were scattered. Look in verse, if you look in verse 1, all except the apostles were what? Scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. There's the Judea and the Samaria. And I encourage you to go and read the, the rest of the chapters that are following this this week. And you'll see there's places where the gospel, where the good news ends up. Like Ethiopia and Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch sort of begins to sound like the ends of the earth to me. See, Albert Muller says this, what we see as setbacks, the Lord uses for advance. When we see a detour from the obvious route, the Lord has so often plotted out a path to the growth of his people and the glory of his son. The growth of his people and the glory of his son. See that word in verse 4 there, scattered, and it's used earlier as well. That word um, is diaspora. It's like uh, throwing seed. Dia through and spiro means the sowing of seed. And what that indicates to me is that someone was throwing the seed. And the aim of all seed is what? To grow. I think God was scattering the people at that time. And they did grow. If you read on, spoiler alert, Acts 11. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. God was working out his purpose. This was not a moment for obstruction. This was an opportunity, a season of opportunity for God's purpose to be fulfilled in a way that they didn't realize it was going to go. It looked a little bit differently, but God was still at work. And so I want to give us all a little question for each of these points. This question, how may this season of disruption fit into God's plans for us as Mount Sandal Christian Fellowship? You see, it would be easy for us to shy away and say, maybe we didn't hear from God. It would be easy for us to stand firm and say, well, we can't move on until everything gets back to normal. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for gathering and there's not a place to pastorally care in this season of grief and lament. We need that more than ever. But hey, that hope is always meant to overflow. If we just stand still in this season, we miss out on the invitation of the Father 
to trust him. Remember what um, Alistair shared a few weeks ago, trusting him. Maybe a moment to look and say, God, you are working this out. This is still a threshold moment, but it just looks a little bit different than what we thought it was going to look like. But thank you that you're still working. And our own family here in Mount Sandal, they got this. I was reading some of the founding documents of this fellowship and going back almost 40 years. Where do you hear this? This is one of the aims. Experience indicates that the momentum of a spiritual work must be allowed to develop. Otherwise, valuable opportunities for church expansion may be forfeited. Let's not, let's not throw this opportunity away. There are too many people out there right now who need to hear of the hope that God gives them. For the peace that he has for them. For the strength that he has for them in the season where it's incredibly difficult for them. And I ask you, are we just going to stay firm Are we just going to shy away? Are we going to embrace what God's doing and see the opportunity as we move outwards, as we connect in smaller groups? It maybe looks a little bit different. We pray around the areas in ones and twos. We think differently. We build sandcastles rather than uh, foundations for generations. The garden gang, tiny life, little things like that where we give those opportunities a go. Is he scattering us to grow a seed? Now, if that scares you a little bit, there is, again, spoiler alert, later on in the book of Acts, they do gather again, okay? But two things I want you to keep in mind. Number one, that was about seven to ten years later. So it's a long way off. And secondly, they weren't all in the same place that they began. God had spread out his people so that they could go to the places that no one else was going and say the things that no one else was saying And he's inviting us into that same opportunity in this season. And we'll look a little bit more at that practically next week. The second thing I want to see our perspective shift in this is that this, oh, there we go. This was a moment for everyone, not just the experts. Look again at verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the words wherever they went. Who were the those? Look back. In Acts chapter 8 to verse 1 again, what we read, all except the apostles. And you see, this is why I love scripture, because when it mentions stuff, it's not in there for no reason. It's there for a reason. All except the apostles. Now, we aren't given the reason why. Were they there to hold the headquarters? Were they there to create a distraction, to allow everyone to leave? We don't know. But what we do know is the work of seeing his kingdom come, the missional work of seeing the spread out into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. This was not just a work for the experts, for the apostles. This was a work for everyone. Everyone. And maybe at the start of this year, when we think of that threshold moment, you were thinking, yeah, that's great. So-and-so will go and do this. They'll go there. I couldn't do that. Maybe as things have progressed a little bit and we came into lockdown and now I'm in this role, as this missional role, and maybe it's, well, we'll just leave that to Ricky. <laughs> it's not how it works. My aim here and, and the job title is to do myself out of a job because all of us get that there's this invitation from the Father to partake in his kingdom building across this area, in those four areas that he's spoken to us about and maybe even more. 
And I understand that for a lot of us, particularly the generations who have come before my generation, I want to thank you for faithfully modeling that and you still continue to do that. Please continue to do that. We need that. But I'm speaking to my generation here. To the 20s, to the 30s, to the 40s. All except the apostles. All. This is not a moment for us to shy and hide behind our responsibilities or our like very, very reasonable excuses that we have. This is a moment for us to step in and say, this is our watch. This is happening in our time. And we will not let this opportunity go past without at least giving it a go. We might fail, but we're going to give it a go anyway. And so I encourage you, if you're in that age bracket, let's not just settle for an okay life. Let's not get caught up in consumer Christianity and having everything brought to us. We are called, all of us, to bring that hope-filled message in to a hurting world. And so I challenge myself with that. And I encourage you with that. And I hope you hear, this is not a you must moment. You must do this. We're trying to create some super theology around you have to do this. And there's shame and there's cult, there's um, like some sort of uh, weight on that. And not, this is an invitation from the Father saying, come with me. What John Mark reminded us of, as I reconcile all things to myself. This is God. I reconcile all things to myself. As I restore all things. As I make all things new. He doesn't need to use us. Look at the, in chapter 9 where he meets Saul on the way to Damascus. Not a person about there. And he brings an encounter that changes his life. He doesn't need to use us but he is inviting us. Inviting us into this. I love that. And so I ask us the question. I ask you and me the question, am I truly making myself available for God to work both in and through me? Both in and through me. The last thing I want to say is this. It's a moment for simplicity and not structures. Okay? Verse 4, we go back to that. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. That's it. They preached the word wherever they went. Two things about that. This was not all polished sermons from trained professionals. The second thing John Stott says that this is actually translated better as shared the good news. It's a better translation of that. I'm not going to spend time going over what John Mark has already addressed last week. If you want to understand how we share the good news, go back and listen to JM last week. That proclaiming and demonstrating. And next week we're going to look a little bit more practically at that. But go back and listen to him. What I will say is, there's not a seven steps program to church growth. There's not a five point plan to living more missional lives in this. And I'm not saying those things are bad, okay? I'm just saying they have a tendency to overcomplicate and they take our dependency off him. And we need to be dependent on him in this season as we move forward in this. Go and read through the stories in the next few chapters of this this week and you'll hear the phrases, the Spirit told, the angel of the Lord said. There's heavenly visions. There's these miraculous signs and wonders. And they're not dependent on us, on them. That was all moments dependent on him. They simply went to the places God told them to go and said the things God told them to do. 
It's as simple as that. This is a season for listening to him. Helping him to see, help us to see with fresh eyes and with a fresh perspective. And so this is the other little question for you. How can I, you, we, be more intentionally aware of God's leading this week? One way I could challenge you in this is how do just pray in the morning time. God, I'm thankful to be alive. Who are you bringing into my path today? Who do you want me to love well? Who do I need to share my faith with? Is there a little verse I can share with someone? Can I offer to pray for someone? Just simply leaving the day in his hands. You don't need some sort of an organizer that organizes your whole life. Just let it be in his hands. Mission is not an add-on. Okay, It's not another thing we have to do. It's embracing where we are and who we're around and inviting him and his hope into those situations. And so as we come in to a close, I want to give you a little bonus on this. Because look, at the end of this little piece here in verse 8, as they go and they preach the word, and you, and you read some of what he said and what they saw happen. Verse chapter 8, So there was great joy in that city. Not just joy, great Joy in that city. Joy came. Not whenever everything came back to normal. Not whenever everything felt safe. Not whenever everything was back to a sense of, yep, we can make sense of this. Joy came in the midst of one of the most disruptive seasons for our church, for our family. And we're facing something like that again. But guess what? He says, rejoice always. That's a command. It's there. Joy is always there. I'm not saying happy clappy. I'm not saying all the, you know, the outward joy. I mean, there's a great joy, a contentment, a peace that's underlying, that's available at all times. God's joy is not reliant on our circumstances. God's joy is reliant on the one who holds our circumstances in his hands. That's good news. That's good news. People need to hear that right now. Because you see what happened. How did this joy reach the city? It says people partnered and participated in his mission. And so I want to ask us, you can take those questions this week. Allow God to brew within your hearts. I'm just offering another voice into this, but I do it as part of this community, as this family. God is reconciling all things to him. That has not stopped. He is still restoring all things. He is still making all things new. The question is not, God, we're doing this and would you come into it? (laughs) He's there and he's saying, I'm inviting you. In this room, in the cafe, at home, I'm inviting you to participate as I reconcile a lost world to me and I restore that relationship and I bring joy. We're coming to that part of the year where we celebrate joy coming to the world. (laughs) It's there again. Are we going to participate in it? I'll leave that to you. Let's pray. Yes, Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the generations of our family of God that we can learn from. 
And Lord, I'm sorry for the times where I've got caught up in this world and what's going on right now. And I don't see it with your eyes. We repent of the times that we have not looked at it with your eyes. So would you help us in this week ahead? When all seems to be becoming a little bit insecure again. Would we hold on to you? Thank you that as you're reconciling all things to you, as you're restoring this world, as you're making all things new, you're inviting us into it. And so we say yes and amen. Help us to keep it simple. Help us all to play our part. Help us to see the opportunity for joy to spread across a community or town for the growth of your kingdom and for the glory of your name. We ask it. Amen. Amen.